Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. And, you know, I really love Finding Your Frequency. I love this radio show. I hope you guys do, too. So, in the spirit of all things fun, make sure you uh, like it, share it with your friends, uh, give us five star reviews instead of four because five stars are better than four. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we're here every week uh, talking to people about how they found their frequency in life and in business and decided to do what they're doing today. And uh, we're going to we're going to take a little bit of a, a, a twist today and move around from healthcare and and entrepreneurism and talk a little bit about the mortgage industry. Um all of you guys who are around uh, in 2008 uh, know that the market got absolutely hammered in 2008. Me personally, uh, there was a point in time in uh, middle of 2009 where my house was worth like $39,000 or some really ridiculous uh, amount of money. And I just wrote it out. We're still living in the same house and uh, so glad that I did because now we got some equity and things are doing good. And then here we are dealing with this new thing, COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, found out that my kids are not allowed to go to school for the next couple, two, three weeks, possibly four. They're even contemplating shutting the school year down. Uh, with all of this going on, I'm sure there's a lot of changes that are happening uh, with the market. You know, you're seeing uh, uh, the stock market be very volatile. You're seeing the mortgage uh, uh, uh rates kind of go up and down and doing crazy stuff and so uh we want to talk to michael radcliffe today about that uh who's right here in our very own backyard in arizona michael welcome to the show yeah glad to be here ryan thank you so michael tell us a little bit about yourself i know that you work in the mortgage industry but um tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do sure so born and raised here in arizona my entire life i was actually uh still here in gilbert mesa area i've uh, been in business for seven years. Absolutely love what I do. It's a crazy industry, but it's very exciting. You never know what's going to happen every time you come to the office. Uh, I was at a credit union for a majority of my career, uh, but I've since broken off to create my own team, the Radcliffe Mortgage Group. Uh, once I kind of found my groove and kind of got a taste and feel for how this mortgage works, I feel like I could do a good job and create my own team. So it's been awesome. That's what I do. So, um, you know, we always talk about finding your frequency uh, in life and in business and just kind of like take us to the beginning of, uh, you know, Michael's professional career. Like, where did you decide that this is what you wanted to do and this was like your thing? So if you asked me 10, 12 years ago what a mortgage was, I would have no clue what to tell you. I uh, didn't know anything about how rates fluctuate, mortgage prices, I didn't own a home at the time, I had no idea. Um, I just became a bank teller uh, back in the day, just to get through college at ASU. And at that point I realized how much I was fascinated with the financial industry. And so from that point, I kind of take a, a very common trend. When you're a teller, you jump into the banking position. I was a banker for about three years. Um, I loved that. And once I got the hang of that, I just wanted something more, something bigger. And I was kind of toying with the idea of being a financial advisor 
or uh, a mortgage loan officer. And from my peer influence, I was convinced to take the mortgage industry take, and I am so glad that I did. And I think the reason why I love it so much is because I'm helping someone on such a large scale. I mean, when you buy a home, it's a huge deal, and it's usually your biggest you know, financial purchase and decision of your life. So if I can be a part of that, if I can make it easy for you, you know, get you excited about it, that makes it feel really good. So that's why I'm sticking with it. That's awesome. It's got to be, it does have to be a good feeling, especially when uh, when you have like a first time home buyer, right? And they're closing on like their very first home. Maybe they just had their first child or, you know, whatever the case may be, got married. And that's like an, a super exciting time. Oh, it's huge. I, first time home buyers are my absolute favorite. I think probably a third of the, the transactions I do are first time home buyers. I, I use a lot of the programs here in Arizona. We're lucky enough to have a couple programs that help people get into homes and you don't need a lot of down payment. Um, they actually cover your whole down payment. Um, but yeah, the, the first time buyers are, they're so humble. They're so excited. It's just a huge turning point in their lives. So yeah, to be a part of that, I think it's awesome. And you know, I look back on where I came from, like as a teller, you can feel good about opening an account as a banker. You feel great opening a business account, but doing a mortgage for first time buyers, it's just like 10 times bigger. You know what I mean? So it just feels that much better to help someone get into a home. Yeah, I bet, man, that's, that's gotta be fun. I remember when I bought my first house, uh, we, we did a new build, uh, in, in Levine, which I'm sure you know where that is. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. which has absolutely exploded since we moved there. We've been there. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you're going to laugh too. We, we moved into Levine, uh, July 21st, 2008. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bought a brand new house. Dang. I thought I was getting a smoking deal on this house, right? 1800 square feet, oh, three bedroom, all that, man. If I would have waited like three months, I could have bought a mansion for that cost. Jeez, I think I think I, crazy, I think I, I think we wow. paid like one thirty nine for our house, which at the time I was like, "Hey, this is a good deal." And then, wow. uh, like I, I said in, in in my opener, you know, we were I don't know, it's like mid two thousand and nine, and like I looked at Zillow, and my house was worth like thirty eight thousand dollars. I had my neighbors who mm-hmm. we all, you know, when you when you have a new build, it's kind of cool because everybody kind of is moving onto the block at the same time, and everybody's meeting each other yeah. for the first time, and you know, you start to uh, develop these friendships and. Uh, uh, on that stuff with your neighbors. And then the next thing I know, I turn around and like five neighbors, there's, there's 10 houses on my block, five on one side, five on the other. Um, five of the 10, they just up and left their house and walked away from their wow. mortgage, right? Which was not illegal at that time, but you know, after became illegal. And uh, it just, yeah. it just, it just hammered the market, man. And it took a long time for stuff to get back into full swing. And now there's only uh, three people left on the block that are original owners and the they rest survived. of the, the, re, the rest of them are all renters. Wow. Like um, a bunch of uh, a bunch of people bought up the properties and turned them into rental properties and uh, you know, put them sure. into their portfolio. And now when I go to the HOA meetings, there's like two people there, me and the HOA. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, now your house is worth a lot more than it was when you bought it too. It should be. Oh yeah, it sure is. And you know, um, Levine has yeah. been actually a pretty unique area. There's a lot of, lot of land to build on that was former farmland. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, lots of different developments that are going on there. Um, and houses going up, which has been good because I've not seen my house appreciate in value, like 11% in one year ever in my life. Um, which, yeah. it, which it just recently did. So that's been, that's been interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing, are you seeing similar things across the Valley in Arizona as far as, um, uh, you know, mortgages? It's definitely a, Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 it's definitely a, a seller's market. 
Absolutely, 100%. I've uh, never seen anything like it. And in fact, a great story for you. Three weeks ago, true story, I had a lady offer her home in Gilbert. And Gilbert is probably, it's arguably the most popular area right now for home buying. And so when a house goes up for sale at a price of 260, which that's so hard to find right now, um, had my client offer on the home, she was fighting against 28 offers. And that's my record so far. I've never heard of 28 offers. You get people interested, like 100 people interested, but 28 offers, it's crazy. And she ended up having to pay 15,000 over list price just to get the house. So yeah, sellers have all the power in the world right now. Yeah, but you know what the challenging thing is? Um, you know, my wife and I, we love our house. It's great. We just would love to have a pool. I grew up when I, as a kid with a swimming pool. I'm, I'm also from the Valley. Mm-hmm. I, grew, I grew up, in, I grew up in, uh, in Metro Phoenix over by Metro Center. And um, right on. so we always had a pool. And uh, my mom's house has a pool. And I grew up with a pool. So we've been wanting a pool. And then I'm like, well, let's just sell this house and go buy one with a pool. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. You sell the house. Even if you have $80,000 in equity as a down payment, the house that you want to buy that has the pool still doesn't put it into an area where it still can stay your monthly yep. payment. So it's like, <laughs> it's just, it is, it's crazy. I know. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys, uh, how do you guys differentiate yourselves in the market with your team and, and guide people through the process of selling homes? Like what makes you guys different than everybody else that does the same thing as you? Great question. Uh, communication. Uh, I can go on for hours just about communication. It is the biggest, and I think personally, I think that's the most important factor in any industry. Even if you're not a person constantly meeting with clients, internally as well. I mean, communication is the lifeblood of any business, you know, the way I see it. So it's, so right now, it's, it's an interesting time because a lot of people are saying it's the second refi boom, right? We had a refi boom in the early, you know, 2012 up to 2016 slow down a little bit and with rates coming down, we're seeing a lot more refi boom coming on. And so what happens is loan officers and branches get super busy and they have no time to follow up with clients. And I've seen that firsthand when I was at a credit union a few years ago, we were doing 85% refinances and we were so busy that it was almost impossible to call back people in a timely manner, you know, and just to do that, because I've always saw the importance of communication just to do that. I was working till eight 30, nine o'clock in the office, I come home, have some dinner, and then work till the 2 a.m. And I was doing it daily, as crazy as that sounds, that's the only way that I can keep up with the volume. So that's what you're seeing. But as far as my team, regardless of how busy you are, we have the staff and, and programs in place that you're gonna have that communication start to finish. And you can ask any clients, look at my reviews, people will talk about how they never wondered where the process was at. They were never confused about how much money would they have to have down, What's this going to look like? What will I expect at the closing table? You're going to have all that. So my motto is, we're not just going to get you through the process. You're going to actually enjoy the process. No matter how stressful that may seem to buy a home, you're going to love the process. and You're going to be excited when you get to that closing table. So outside of like great rates, competitive nature, you got to be competitive in the market. I think the one that sets us apart is uh, we have the most outstanding communication you've ever seen. And uh, you'll see with, with text me, email me, any of my team members, you're going to get responses in minutes because you got other things to do. You got a family to run, you got a job to take care of. You don't have time to stress about, uh, about a response. So that's what sets us apart. Oh, that's awesome. How do you, I don't, under, I don't know how you're able to get people excited about digging up two years worth of tax returns and all of that <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> so that's a great point. Sometimes you can't please them, but uh, yeah, the, the guidelines have tightened up quite a bit since 09, 010. Um, I've heard there, there were thousands of pages added to the, you know, the mortgage book, if you will, 
a guideline. So yeah, it, unfortunately it's a lot, but I have noticed that the guidelines are slowly easing up as far as paperwork. And it's because we have a lot of online verification. This is very cool. So we have a ton of programs here. I mean, almost any program you can think of, we have it for you. And on top of that, we have systems that link up with your bank accounts completely secure. We have online verification systems. Whereas if you have a, an employer, let's say you're at Banner Health is a common one, and you submit the application, with a click of a button, I can download your employment history securely, and I never have to ask for a single pay sub, tax returns, or W-2. Second, we have what's called Finicity. You log in securely with your bank account information, and it will extract your bank statements to our system until closing. You'll never have to send us a bank statement. Oh, so it's so kind of better it, important. So it's kind of like what? um, it's kind of like Mint. Like I, I use Mint to manage my finances, right? Yeah. Because I can plug in all that stuff, and then you know, at the end of the year, I'm actually in the middle of doing this later <laughs> later this afternoon. I got to go into Mint and pull reports for healthcare, so I can have my tax write offs, and then also childcare and all that kind of stuff. Um, so similar yeah. to that, people just log in and put in their data, and it just sucks it all in. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. Your paperwork, your docu signing online. So I mean, I've had empl- I've had clients where I would just say, okay, send me a copy of your driver's license, sign your disclosures, who you want your home insurance with to be. All right, you're good to go. Sit back and relax. I mean, that that's awesome. We rarely need tax returns, and in fact, once people realize that, the only time we need tax returns is if you're self-employed or if you're a 1099 employer. So it's it's not very common that we actually need tax returns. We only need. Uh, you, let's say, for example, you're just your basic W-2 employee. We generally just need a one year's W-2 and a most recent pay stub. That's all we need to verify income if you're not on the system to verify already. So it's pretty easy. Oh, wow. How technology has just made things a lot easier, right? Oh, yeah. Way easier. Is there any other technologies that you guys deploy? I mean, I've been hearing a lot of industries, professional services industry specifically, like accounting and some of those using artificial intelligence and bots. There's this new thing for accounting called BotKeeper, um, which has been kind of cool to research. What what other kind of uh, technologies are you guys deploying to, you know, uh, streamline the business and, and, and make it better? Those are the biggest, honestly, those are the biggest things because when you look at a mortgage, we have to verify the two biggest things, your income and your assets. And we have systems to take care of both of those. So outside of that, it's your home insurance. And we have systems for insurance as well. We actually have a system where we'll search, the system will search for you in the area for the cheapest insurance broker out there. It's a free service. So that way you're sending, you're getting quotes sent to you for free without any credit checks. Um, I mean, yeah, we, I mean, I feel like we have a program to touch on everything. So sign me we up. We want bro. to make sure we, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Right. We, we don't, it's already stressful, right? I mean, the paperwork is the most annoying part of any transaction. I hate paperwork. And so if we can take as much as we can off your plate, it, the process, you can actually enjoy it. It's actually not that hard. That's funny that you say you hate paperwork. I do too. This is a funny story. I was uh, dealing with an employee last week who uh, had a couple of tardies, was late, and didn't communicate why they were late. They just showed up late, which is not acceptable behavior for an employee, right? Uh, And so I sat down with them and I said, you know, the handbook for the company says I'm supposed to write you up for this. I said, but uh, I don't like paperwork. I don't want to sit here and fill all this paperwork out. I was like, so let's just sit here and have a conversation about what the expectation is. You let this be served as a verbal warning and then we'll call it a day. Is that good with you? And he's like, yeah, that's perfect. And it was perfect for me too, because then I didn't have to fill out all the write-up paperwork uh, for that. And uh, definitely I hate paperwork too. I don't think anybody does. Um, I would rather, I would rather go to the dentist than do paperwork. (laughs) Yeah. 
it's annoying. I don't know what it is about it. It's just so monotonous. Like I did a refinance myself a couple of years ago. I'm in the industry and like I get the list of stuff. I'm like, gosh, I got to sit down and get this paperwork. So it's like, I've seen both sides. For some reason, paperwork is such an amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about the current status of the market. I mean, it's been a little bit crazy uh, today. Uh, we're recording this. Today's the 16th of March. So um, this will probably air, uh, you know, sometime next week. But uh, so the little timely timeliness is slightly off. But 16th of March, I mean, here in Arizona on the 15th of March, the governor shut all the schools down and you have some crazy stuff going on in the markets. And, um, you know, I hear from a lot of people that they're saying, oh, now's a good time to refinance your house because the, the mortgage rates are low. And then I had told you i checked into that and then they went up again and then they went down again and they went back up again like what is going on it's an extremely volatile market um it, it, historically volatile so the what you're supposed to see in a day-to-day market is the rates are sent out in the morning and you send out the rates to clients you let them know their options and they don't change and you let them know hey you've got to lock by you know five or six o'clock because new york time right we're in arizona and that's the norm. It's always like that. But we're seeing that rates are changing two or three times in the same day. And that's not the norm at all. And so when we, when we were talking to people, we have to be very transparent. And if they like the rate, you say, listen, if you want the rate, we got to walk it right now. The hard part about that is that brings pressure. No one likes pressure. And so it comes off as like, we're trying to push them into an interest rate. Right. But we're not, it's all about transparency. You have to know that it can go up or down at any moment's notice. Well, the market's swinging. I mean, the Dow Jones went down to almost 20,000. That's crazy. We were just at 29,000 like a few weeks ago. And so when it's going up and down like a thousand point swing, you're going to see a lot of shifts in the interest rates. Um, as far as your question of should refinance? Yeah, refinancing is an amazing time right now. They're historically low. Could they go lower? Time will tell. Every day we have to take a look. So how do you keep your finger on the pulse of that? What kind of tools do you guys have as, uh, as, as mortgage brokers to, you know, keep an eye on which banks are doing what? Um, because they all kind of vary, I've noticed. You know, you might have uh, one bank that has a good rate and another big bank has a not so good rate. Um, yeah, how, do you, how, do you, how do you keep all that together? Just systems in play. We have ways that it'll, it'll test us if something changes dramatically. Um, the main thing is that we can go into each profile and check where rates are at. We just click revise search and it'll update the market terms and see where the rates are at. So it, it requires a lot of work because you want to, if you have, you know, 20, 30 files in process, I wish there was a button you can just click, right? And get all the rates for everyone, but it's not that easy. You have to go into each file because every person's unique. A lot of people don't realize that pricing is not just based on your credit score. You know, credit score is a big factor your loan to value, how much equity you have played into your interest rates, your loan amount, the property type. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into your interest rate that people don't realize. So it takes time to check. But we have systems in place. So like I said, it'll save that data, click revise search and see where it's at. And we, it's our responsibility, you know, to, to serve our clients the right way and check each morning and let them know, hey, it dipped. You want to catch it? And that's, that's part of the job. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know, I hear a lot of times, um, I, I'm obviously I'm a radio guy, if you haven't, if you couldn't tell. Um, 
know. <laughs> right. Uh, so I listen to I listen to the radio all the time, and I, I'm always hearing ads for mortgage stuff. You know, and one of the ads I heard, I think it was, uh, it was this morning. They were basically saying, "Hey, we'll refinance you, and then if if, if rates change in the next two years um, to something that we know can save you money, uh, we will do another refinance for you for free. It won't cost you anything. No closing costs. No nothing." Um, how are people able to do that? And do you guys do something like that? So what happens is, so I'll tell you a couple of different things you can do. Cause uh, another question we get more so than that is, Hey, I locked my interest rate two weeks ago. We're still in process, but we're not closing for another three weeks. Can we, you know, the rates have went down since we locked, can we lower it? That's a huge question. And, and we have to let people know when you, when you lock an interest rate, it's like buying a stock. It's locked, right? You can't change it. But we do have programs here, and a lot of places do, where if it goes down a certain amount, roughly 0.375 in the rate, we can do what's called a rate negotiation and drop that interest rate, right? When you're talking about refinancing in two years and the rates drop, a lot of times what you're gonna see, if the loan is still portfolioed with that company, they can go ahead and refinance it without many fees at all. And the reason why is because it's on their books. When you're brokering a loan and it goes out to a different service or it's different, right? So if you do a loan, typically what happens is it's sold off in a month. It can go to Penny Mac or Freedom Mortgage or Sunside. I mean, you can go to any servicer out there. Um, so then it's their responsibility to refinance. This Waterstone or whatever the broker was no longer has a right to that mortgage loan. And that's something that's important to know is that not everyone has that ability to do the refinance with no fees, but they are out there. They're called streamlined refinances. Okay. So streamlined refinances allows you to reduce your interest rate with very little to no fees, as long as you have the right equity and credit score. So yeah, as long as it's on their books, they're making money off the interest rate, basically the benefit of lowering it, keeping your business, because you know what, if they don't do it, someone else will, you know what I mean? So they got to do it while it's long. That's a good point, man. That's a good point. So where do you see, uh, where do you see the uh, mortgage industry and, and that going uh, in Arizona in the next five years? Do you think that uh, we're on the, on the edge of another recession, like a lot of people saying, or do you think that uh, this thing is going to just keep churning and uh, slightly going up because of all the people moving here from California? I personally think we'll see a small correction. I think we're already seeing a little bit of it. Just people are very hesitant right now. I don't think we'll see a recession like we saw in 08. It's very different because 08, that was due to directly because of mortgages. People are doing fraudulent things. I mean, a great example is uh, Moody's, you know, the company who rates mortgage-backed securities, right? They take a pile of mortgages and they give them a rating based on the credit score and how strong that mortgage is. Well, back in 08 and 09, they were paying employees to rate them AAA with bigger bonuses. So, the, you know, they're fraudulently rating mortgages when they're really not triple A mortgages, they're triple C's, but they didn't care because you need bonus. Those kind of things were happening in 08, and that's why the market crashed so much. In our day, with this virus going around and other factors, I don't see the mortgage industry falling as much as it did, not even close. Um, with the Dow Jones and everything else, it's definitely receding, but I don't think that the mortgage industry will respond as heavily as the stock market is. So I still remain very optimistic. We might see some hesitancy for maybe two at most six months. You know, we're already hearing about new build companies slowing down their production, people hesitant, people holding off. But I think once this all goes away, which I'm very optimistic this will blow by in a couple of months, we're gonna see it tick back up and slow to start to increase. 
So yeah, five years on the road, I think we'll be even in a better position. Yeah, I think so too. I think some of this stuff's going to blow over. What's crazy though is you can't find any toilet paper, man. I know, dude. It's crazy, man. I was at Walmart over the weekend and I took a picture of the entire shelves are completely empty. There's like hardly any canned food or frozen meals. It's it's crazy, man. Do you know what? Do you know what aisle has it fully stocked? Is was like the beer and the vodka. <laughs> Surprising, actually. Yeah, and I was like, because I went That's to Fry's. I, I went to Fry's over the weekend too, and I'm like, wow, there's nothing but booze here at this fries but I, I made i made it i made a point to some of my uh some of my colleagues this morning in one of our meetings though like you know everyone was kind of freaking out about the whole thing and what's the company going to do and how are we going to manage it and it's like mm-hmm. i was like you know one thing i did realize over the weekend was um when you go to the store on friday afternoon like I, i'm on my way home from work i go to the store my wife says we need hamburger buns i have hamburgers want to make hamburgers all right great i love hamburgers i'm in so I go to I go to the store on my way home on Friday and I go to the same store, 51st Avenue and Baseline in Levine, and there's no bread products at all. And I'm going, well, I guess we're not having hamburgers or we're having, uh, you know, hamburgers with no buns. Uh, and so I go home. My wife's like, oh, no, well, I'll make something else for dinner. No big deal. And then so then last night we decided we were going to try to have hamburgers again. So I shot up to the store again and I walked in and good Lord, there was hamburger buns there. I was only like five packages and I was like, I only needed one. So I grabbed my one. Right. And then of course I grabbed some beer because you know, it's gotta, gotta get some beer. And, uh, but when I grabbed those hamburger buns, Michael, I was like, I I felt, I felt so good. I felt so appreciative of those hamburger buns. You accomplished something. Not not even that I accomplished it. I was just like, I was like, these are, this is going to be the best tasting hamburger buns I've ever had. Just, just, just because Mm -hmm. I I appreciate being able to have this right now. (laughs) You know what? And that's the one, it's funny. I talked to one of my best friends this morning about that, about the flip side, you know, your perspective on this, you can have a lot of fear and feed into what the media tells you. But you can also look at the other side of things. It makes you very, very appreciative for what we have in life. It makes you turn to the people you're closest to, your family and friends, those you love. And with with the world moving so fast nowadays, when the market's doing fantastic, it's really easy to forget about the small stuff that we're so blessed to have. So yeah, I love that you brought that up because I think that these kind of things, though they're scary, it's a great opportunity for us to reflect and reset our lives. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. And, and my wife and I had this conversation earlier today too, because, you know, like the kids are home from school and um, her and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about high school. And like when I was in high school and I'm sure probably when you were too, um, we used to have this class called home economics, right? Where you would go yep. to this class, you would learn how to cook and sew and you'd make like a pillow or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, yeah. they, don't, they don't have those classes anymore right at, at high schools. And so my wife and I were talking this morning and, and I just kind of asking her like, Hey, how are you going to manage today? Cause she's working, she's an a, a accounting controller for a company. And, uh, and so she's a, at home doing accounting controller things as well as also being a mom and a homeschool teacher. Uh, and so she's like, she's like, you know what I'm going to do? She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to use this opportunity to teach our daughter some additional life skills that are outside of school. And so she Love broke it. So she broke the day down. It was like, you know, uh, asked my daughter Marley, like, okay, when do you guys do math? When do you do reading? You know, okay. When time do you do recess and all that kind of stuff? And so then she, she mixed in there. She goes, okay, so now this, this hour is going to be uh home home ec. And my daughter's like, what? She said, my, my wife sent me a video of her talking to her about this. 
this earlier today. She's like, all right, this hour is going to be home ec. And my daughter's like, what is that? And she's like, my mom, uh, my wife says, well, it's home economics. It's how you learn the economics of the household. She goes, oh, well, what does that entail? And then my wife goes, okay, go do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and and my, Man, my, da- my daughter didn't understand. And she's like, well, no, this is the economics of how your household works. There are certain things that you have to mm-hmm. do at home in order for your household to work. Doing dishes, doing laundry, doing those things. And so then... Uh, my wife had planned uh, to plant some uh, onion sets over the weekend that we didn't get to. So she's like, oh, I'll use that opportunity, too. So my daughter got home economics class today and a little bit of agriculture along with, uh, you know, the standard. Here's here's your math and reading and phonograms and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And um, I really liked that my wife took that approach to the current scenario because, you know, they could have just sat around all day and like watch TV or, you know, done something completely unproductive. But even on day one, I was really proud of both my my wife and my daughter that they were, you know, taking it in stride and, you know, doing well. And, 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 and I do agree with what you said earlier. It, it really is about your mindset because I remember a couple of years ago, whenever the H one N one swine flu or whatever that was came out, yep. you didn't, you didn't see people running around in panic, getting all crazy and something like 70,000 Americans died because of that particular virus. Oh yeah. And, um, you could still find toilet paper when that was happening. I don't understand in, <laughs> what's happening. Like, I don't understand what's different. Um, yes, I know this is a crazy virus and all that kind of stuff, but you know, the mortor- mortality rate is, um, you know, not that much more significant. Um, and then like, I just don't get it. Why are people freaking out, man? Yeah. And I, I think this is the only time in history that we've had a, you know, quote unquote pandemic with smartphones. I think that's the biggest thing because, Everyone, I mean, we're in a society where it's like an instant society. We have to know everything as soon as it comes out. And it's at the tip of our fingers. So the second the coronavirus breaks out, the entire planet knows about it. And you see every media and Facebook and Instagram post. And every time you see a post, it instills more and more fear and like the unknown, you know? Yeah. Back in the swine flu days or anything else, we didn't have smartphones. You had the news, but you had to watch the news or your parents had to tell you. So, it, yeah, it's completely changed how we respond to things. I mean, we are a completely different world with, with smartphones. And I think that's why people are reacting so much more quicker. So I, I think you're probably re- pretty close to the same age as I am. I don't know if you remember this, but when I was growing up in the 80s, um, the, uh, the, the, the vaccine for chicken pox came out, right? And so that was, that was a big deal. A vaccine for chicken pox, yeah. right? Really big deal. But, yeah. like, it's... Walgreens didn't have chicken pox shots at every store like you do the flu shot now. Like, I think that, right. you know, the inherent thinking around some of these things has just become um, to the point where, you know, people just are, are confused. I think that I think it's literally information overload, right? It's like they don't know. Oh, yeah. They don't know what information is right and what information is wrong. So they don't have proper mm-hmm. information to make informed decisions. Yeah. Yep. And if you don't have an informed decision or the right information to do it, the only response is fear, right? That's the most, that's yeah. the easiest way to step back. Is, I don't know what to do. I'm scared now. And, and right? then you go buy 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and then try to sell it on yeah. eBay. Did you read that story today? I saw that. Yes. <laughs> that guy's crazy, dude. eBay, eBay shut his account down and he was forced to donate all of it. Yeah. Dude, he, I wonder how much that costs. I meant to do the math on that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, my neighbor said the other day she was driving around the neighborhood and somebody had their garage door open and dude had like, 
50 big giant Costco bags full of toilet paper just in the and hanging out in his garage. And I'm like, I know where I'm oh, going man. when I can't get toilet paper. Seriously. <laughs> well, did you hear did you hear about that? Uh, I think it was a Sam's Club. There was like the last water pack left. And these guys got in a huge brawl. The guy cracked open a water bottle, uh, a wine bottle, and stabbed him. And the guy was taken out on a stretcher. But like these things are happening. Like that's why you reflect back. I'm like, dude, you got to remember you're human. It, it, you might be in the middle of chaos, but what survives is caring for one another. You know what I mean? Not chaos and like just fend for yourself. But we have to care for one another and remember what's what's important. Well, Michael, yeah, like, it's all those stories, man. Just, like geez. logically too. I mean, um, what do you not have running water at your house that you have to fight yeah. over bottled water? Like, come on! If you're so yeah, if you're so yeah. worried about it, instead of, instead of buying forty seven cases of bottled water, just go to Home Depot and go get a filter. <laughs> yeah, hey, dude. Oh, while, while you're at it, while you're at it, buy a bidet. They're seventy nine ninety nine. I looked it up yesterday. And the, the, Bam, nothing. <laughs> <the limit. laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's what I told my wife. I'm like, if we run out of toilet paper, I'm just gonna go buy a bidet. They're little or all, they're eighty bucks. You can buy them at Home Depot. Like anybody that knows how to put a toilet seat on can put one on, and they don't even need any ele- yeah. electricity or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I don't think geez, half of Europe already does that, anyways. You know, like how much money would you I save? How, how much money would you save over your lifetime if you just stopped buying toilet paper in lieu of an eighty dollar bidet? I know. Yeah, that'll add up. <laughs> <laughs> just take that right off. I could buy more beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, Michael, I appreciate you uh, joining us today for a nice candid conversation and just kind of talking shop a little bit about mortgages and then, of course, the current kind of scenario of what's going on uh, in our local area. But um, tell tell the listeners, where can they find you, your website, socials, all that fun stuff? So if they want to get a hold of you uh, and talk about mortgages and, you know, buy a house or something, they know how to get a hold of you. Sure. No, I appreciate that. So it's the Radcliffe Mortgage Group. I would say it's like a Radcliffe with the E at the end, mortgagegroup.com. Like the cliff bar. Um, you can even just, exactly, yeah. So it's R-A-D-C-L-I-F-F-E. You can go to radcliffemortgagegroup.com. You can just Google me, Radcliffe Mortgage Group, three words. You'll see my reviews. It gives you my website. My cell phone's right there on the website yeah. as well as the Google You have good reviews page. too. I looked um, at them. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I appreciate that. So, yeah, I mean, I take care of people like family, man. I mean, I'm not... I think uh, the mindset a lot of people have when you work in this industry is this loan shark, right? We just want that commission. Um, but it's not the case with everyone. And that's not the case with my team. We really want to help you get the best deal possible. And we want to do it as convenient as we can. So yeah, text, call me, email me. I can guarantee you that you'll get a response the same day and you'll be very well taken care of. Awesome. Well, Michael Radcliffe, thank you so much for joining Finding Your Frequency and for all the listeners that are tuned in, however you're listening on your favorite pod catching device or application, you know, please make sure you uh, share us on the old socials. Give us those five stars because five stars are better than any other stars than five because they can't. You could rate me six if you could, but I don't think that they have six that's available on iTunes to rate. So maybe if you write uh, rate us five. And then maybe drop us a line about what you like about the show. You can always email us info at voiceamerica.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Radio Ryan One. And of course, follow the radio station at Voice America TRN. And don't forget, we have five channels with 300 hours of new content that comes out every week right here on the Voice America talk radio platform. So if you're trying to live and learn and expand your mind, check out the Empowerment Channel. Check out the Health and Wellness Channel. Check out the Business Channel. Check out the Influencers Channel. And of course, the 
21-year-old Voice America Variety Channel is always where my go-to is. So make sure you guys check that out. Again, my name is Ryan Treasure, host of Finding Your Frequency. Stay tuned for the next Finding Your Frequency coming at you soon.